Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Sports Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and on today's episode, I have a special guest joining me to talk ball. If you're in the Birmingham area, I know you've heard him on Jocks 94.5. He's the Mayor Maplesville, none other than Damian Mitchell. All right, welcome back to the Sports Bites Podcast, and joining me now, a special guest from here in Birmingham at Jocks 94.5. He is the host of the Morning Jocks, the 6 to 7 show, also a co-host and producer for the McElroy and Kublik show in the morning, Mr. Damian Mitchell. And Damian, man, I appreciate you taking the time. It's busy. I know it in college football season, NFL season, y'all are slam. I appreciate you taking the time to hop on. Absolutely, man. It's been a, it's been a blast. And this is kind of like my new year. Usually around this time, I'm constantly day in, day out, boom, boom, boom. When something's always going on, this is the best time of the season, man. I, I'm, I'm high, excited to be here too, man. I really do appreciate it. Well, let's jump right into it. I mean, we're here in Birmingham. Everyone is talking about what happened last week, and now news coming out now real sudden that there's going to be a quarterback change at the University of Alabama for the game against South Florida. Yeah, man, they announced that uh, Tyler Buckner will be QB1 against South Florida this weekend, and really and truly, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I never give Jalen a benefit of the doubt he filled in in 2022 in a spot when Bryce was hurt there the second half of Arkansas, and then he started against Texas A&M. So coming into it, it was a battle. Like you knew coming into this season, it was going to be a battle with Tyler Buckner transferring in from Notre Dame and Ty Simpson, you know, emerging out of that quarterback room as well. So, you know, when it comes to the athleticism part, you know, Jalen probably did get the benefit of the doubt on that end. Uh, but when it came to it, made he made a lot of mistakes he made some some key turnovers and key situations um in big games like you go back to texas a&m where he throws two interceptions and also fumbles the ball twice and you kind of look at you know the games that really matter he didn't show up and it didn't perform at a high level so i feel if you're excited you've given all these quarterbacks the run of the mill and he i mean Jalen continued to make mistakes in key situations so you got to protect the ball as a quarterback and insert Tyler Buckner get his chance so i'm not going to fully you know say the rope is done for Jalen Milrow but i know for a fact at least in south florida Tyler Buckner is going to get the 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 uh, snaps there so and, and and to be honest not real impressive i mean you lost at south bend against marshall i mean it's not not a good look hopefully he's gotten better but my question and obviously, you've been down here in the South a lot longer than I have around it. Look, how did Alabama get to this point where you go from a quarterback room that's loaded with Mac, Tua, Jalen, to where now there's so much uncertainty? I mean, when it comes down to it, it's it's kind of like the rotating door that you've seen in the Alabama program with different coordinators, different everything, like different coordinators on the offensive side. You look at the defensive side, having to replace so many guys. It's just a new era and a new generation of what college football is. Um, maybe they're not being as developed as they once were because um, you kind of go back and look at some of the staffs that have been at Alabama at one time. Yeah, I think Dan Lanning, uh, try to think who else was all on that staff, Kirby Smart, uh, Mel Tucker, uh, Lee Napier. Like they're, At one point in time, they were all on the staff together. And you kind of look at this staff now, it's a little different. And even with the offensive side of the ball, it's just completely changed where these guys are being compared to the Devontae Smiths at the receiver position. They're being compared to the Julio Joneses, the Mari Coopers, Calvin Ridley's, and the list goes on. And it's like these players aren't those type of guys. 
and maybe they're just not being developed in the same way. And even at the quarterback position, to me, Bryce Young was a unicorn. I think he was I, – I, I, I love Bryce Young. I think he was one of the best, if not the best, quarterback talent-wise to come through this um, Alabama program. Um, and you kind of go back to Mac Jones' days with Steve Sarkeesian as offensive coordinator. There's, it's almost a melt out of different things. And I think this year it kind of just hit his head because a lot of guys – Outside the Alabama program, like the Texases, and you look at you know like the 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 uh, Texas A and M's and things like that, they're building it up to compete, and they're able to compete now because of IL, the transfer portal, and there's there's so many different avenues that come with. But Alabama was able to to maintain and keep that standard, and now you kind of see a little bit of a drop off. I've talked to some people out here, and, and again covering this area, it's it's bad to get be like that at home. But you're still in the SEC West. You still have an opportunity to make it to the SEC championship game. The goals are still in front of Alabama. They are. And it's just now you're not as optimistic because of just how it looked against a dominant opponent like Texas. And we we were so used to Texas and all back and they, you know, mess around and throw themselves. Now Texas has truly shown that, hey, we're here, we're a force to be reckoned with. And the SEC West is only going to be tougher. When you go, you got to play Ole Miss, you got to follow that up with a, a Texas A&M, a Tennessee who's on a, a surgence with Josh Heupel, and you follow that up with Auburn. Who knows what Auburn's going to look like under Hugh Freeze and that SEC West gauntlet. You lost to LSU last year with the returning Heisman Trophy winner. So, I mean, it's, it's a different feeling if you're an Alabama fan. Like, I, I really do think, like, collectively from saving all the way through the, the program, coaches, coordinators, former players, the fans, like you feel a little, you feel a little uneasy of how this thing is going to play out. Speaking of quarterback play in the SEC, some, some big names that are really getting a lot of playing time in the NFL. You look at this year and a lot of people have the question, who's the best quarterback in the SEC this year? Who? I had that battle probably week to week, but if I were to make a decision right now going into week three, I would say KJ Jefferson. I think he was on right. that cusp last year. He was on that cusp last year, and now you're starting to see the full development of what KJ Jefferson can be. If he's, I think he's reached his full form under Dan Enos. Dan Enos has had some great quarterbacks in his day right. when he was at Alabama, another Alabama, former Alabama coach. I think. What he does and what he can offer you in the pass game and also the run game, he's elite. Um, I had Jaden Daniels coming into the season, but I think against different competition, he still has those kind of mental mistakes that you do not have as a quarterback. And it's kind of it's kind of hit or miss. Um, I think Jackson Dart has kind of entered that category because of year two under Lane Kiffin. He started to ascend a little bit more. Um, but I kind of look at the way that this I think the way the KJ Jefferson has really, really taken that next progression as a passer is what's leading him in that category as being the best quarterback in the SEC right now. It's still going to be fun. I, me being an Oklahoma guy, you know, I'm excited. Oklahoma's coming to the SEC. Texas is coming to the SEC. And being here, I know I've heard, but from your vantage point hearing, what's the general consensus of the SEC fan base about Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC? Um, if you asked me last year, uh, uh, <laughs> it was uh oh, may not be ready yet. But right now I think they're they're welcome with a, with open arms, to be honest. 
Um, I look at this Texas team and they're built for it. They're built in the trenches. They're doing it the right way. They're going out and getting these players and they're they're made for this this SEC run. And you look at Oklahoma who's starting to trend back up in that direction. I think they're starting to they're starting to hit that 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 kind of wall is that okay, they're ready for this too. And I think for the, everybody in the SEC is come on. If you want some, this is where you're gonna make your money. This is how you're gonna get, you know, the, the people on your on your bandwagon. To see if you're really back, and I think that SEC is ready for them. I used to tell people out there, you know, I had people that were always like, "Well, but what about our traditional rivalries?" I was like, "Who? Iowa State, Kansas? I mean, like, <laughs> you're talking about getting tradition, you know, getting Georgia, getting Florida, Auburn. You're like, I'm excited next year because Oklahoma comes to Auburn. Now, my sister and her brother mm-hmm. and her wife and her husband." Our big Auburn fans, they got season tickets. I'm going to the game there. I'm going to the Grove at Oxford. Like I, I get to see and be a part of it again, and I don't have to drive 12 hours to Oklahoma. So I'm looking forward to it. But, of course, another big story, obviously what Coach Prime is doing right now in college football. And Jay Norvell, former OU coach, I love Jay. I, I, I've interviewed him quite a bit. Jay poked the bear. Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. And the thing was, you're already kind of undermanned to begin with, and now you're adding more fuel to the fire. You're already going into it as a 24-point underdog. And Prime was going to keep her respectful. It's like, hey, man, I, I, I feel like we have a better team. We're going to go out there and handle our business. But now, and I tweeted out earlier, I was like, man, I think Prime, Prime is going to be hell-bent on keeping the four verticals getting thrown points up in the fourth quarter. Like, I think he will, he's going to empty the clip. And, and I love that he went out and got all of his team the blender glasses. So they're all going to have glasses. They're all going to put them I on. Love it. And, and love it. What I, what's funny, though, is a lot of people forget about Shador and Travis. Yes, Shador is his son. Mm-hmm. Travis is one of the top players in the country, and he chose to go to an HBCU to play under prime. And now you're seeing it. Shador was a four-star quarterback. And now you're seeing it. Heck, Shiloh led the team in tackles in the first game against TCU. And and now it's what kind of what kind of juggernaut is he going to become investing in these young men like Travis, who, who said, hey, I want to learn how to play both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. He's recruiting football players. Like, he, he wants dogs. And Travis Hunter, again, was the number one overall recruit coming out in his high school class. It's not like he forgot how to play football when he went to Jackson State. He was great then. He's only continued to get better and put it on the national level in the national landscape. Now that he's in Colorado. Colorado was a one-win football team last year. People have to process this. Prime, that's the prime effect. He brings in, like you bring, he brings in Shiloh, he brings in Shador, and these guys have played at high levels. They're great players. The biggest thing now moving forward is can he recruit in the trenches? Once he finally gets the trench guys, it's Offensive defensive line taken care of. Oh boy, yeah, it's going to be completely coming out of Colorado moving forward. It's it's interesting again being Big Twelve, Big Eight. You know, growing up, I remember those really really good Colorado teams: Cordell Stewart, Michael Westbrook, you know, Ray Carruth. I mean, all those guys who were just you know really nasty. But it's good to see them coming back. Uh, get your thoughts real quick. Last game before we hop to some NFL talk. Tennessee, Florida, did the Volunteers get it done for the first time since 2003 down in Gainesville? Yes, I'm a hypo disciple, man. I, like, I, it's hard 
hard for me to truly root against this Tennessee offense. If you can't score, and I'm not going to sit here and say that Graham Mertz and this Florida offense is great, and I'm not going to say they're absolutely terrible, but they're average. Like, they're just not – they're not great at anything, and they're not just absolutely terrible at anything either. It's just extremely average. I think their defense can cause a few problems because I do think they, they have enough speed on defense to kind of – I'm not going to necessarily say hang with Tennessee, but they're going to need to make some space as well to help out that defense. Because you watch that Utah game. Had they not given up that 70-point, that 70-yard bomb right there to start the game, there's no telling how it could have been. But when you're already fighting behind the eight ball, I mean, you're you're fighting an uphill battle. And I think for Florida's sake, again, if they can't match up with them and scoring, it's going to to be a long, long road for him. But I do think Tennessee goes down and handles their business in Gainesville. I, I expect to see Brew McCoy really break out in this game. You know, he's kind of struggled to start I love the year. You know, I think he's going to have, have have a big – I want to see him donate those AED devices. I think it's cool that he's doing that as part of his NIL. But Yeah, that's uh, awesome. I know I know NFL-wise, I know you're a, you're a Titan fan. What do you think about your, your team yeah. so far week one? We are quarterback one away from being a true playoff team. Not gonna, to say I was ask that to change we're still out of it. We're consistent. We're consistent quarterback play away. And Brandon, I was I'm Marcus Mariota supporter. Like I, I'm, I was there in the trenches in the dark days of the Tennessee Titan days when Zach Megenberger was oh. there. I mean Charlie Whitehurst. We were, I mean the revolving door quarterbacks. And I thought Marcus being the number two overall pick was gonna be able to take us over the hump. We never built anything around him. And by the time we were Handing it off Derrick Henry 58 times a game. Ryan Tannehill's already in there just not making mistakes. And now all of a sudden, in the way that this NFL season, when the NFL teams are, you have to have the quarterback. You have to have consistency at quarterback. And that's something that Ryan Tannehill has not done uh, in the past year and a half, to, to be honest. And, I mean, I, I still think I still think we're good enough to go out and, and play exceptional football we just have to have consistent quarterback play in a division that's still gettable I mean even last year with the highs and lows that we had we were still just a game away from being Jacksonville and being in the playoffs for round one and I mean I understand they added Calvin Ridley to that team and they added uh, Tank Bigsby through the draft and the development Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne they have a lot of young talent over there but when you get into a fist fight with the Tennessee Titans, I just think even if you do load up an eight-man box, they're here to still hit you for 200. Right. So until they collectively that we can still go out there and do it, it's just an uphill battle because of the quarterback position. I talked about the AFC South looking forward. The AFC South is so talent-rich, especially at the quarterback position, except Tennessee. I mean, but is is – Malik, the guy, is can Will Levis step up? But you think about some of that young talent in there. I thought the Jacksonville Colts game Sunday was a lot better than I expected it to be. I mean, the Colts actually had the lead late in that game. You know, is Anthony Richardson going to be the answer? But I think the AFC South could end up being one of those divisions that you watch in the next couple of years that could be really entertaining. Yeah, man, you see the development of how how they're going to start building around C.J. Stroud in Houston. Yeah, Anthony Richardson, I mean, skill set, the tools are there. Like you, you can just find a way to mold it and make it work. That could be dangerous. And, and Tennessee has the old man out the out the, the quarterback position. And you look at Trevor Lawrence and that, that that Jaguars team. I mean, they're they're I will say offensively they can put up some points. Like they're going to be able to put up some points. But like you said, it's 
they were still in the dogfight with Indianapolis week one. And who knows, maybe maybe that, you know, the Indianapolis may be the, the wild card or like the X factor in all of this. But for Tennessee, it's we were built for a championship run around just the style in which we are. We were built on the defensive front, the front seven of being our, our core nucleus, along with just being able to ground and pound with Derrick Henry. The only thing we were missing was consistent quarterback play. And we have the old man out the crew. We got Ryan Tannehill. And I think maybe Malik Willis can start to build. I'm not big on Willis. He's literally Ryan 2.0 just with a stronger arm. I think some of the decision-making – he had, and even when he was in Kentucky, was that good? But when you look at just the raw ability of arm talent, yeah, he—I mean, he's—he's he's perfect for it. But I just don't think that he's going to be able to just truly develop into a a bona fide starter, especially not at Tennessee. What was the biggest surprise for you, Week One of the NFL? <sighs> Probably as bad as Cincinnati looked coming out the gate against Cleveland. Um, eighty-two yards. I mean, you just paid Joe Burrow. Yeah, like you just take over all that money and he didn't throw over 100 yards. You have T. Higgins, you've got Jamar Chase, you got Tyler Boyd, like you have these, you got uh, Joe Milton, Joe Milton in the backfield. Like that offense was just repeat. Like you should be able to drop 21 on accident. And to go out there and have the offensive struggles in which they did, it was kind of alarming. But I, I guess for, I guess if you look at the grand scheme of it, it's the quarterback position. Really is the most valuable position you have to like. You have to have on the, on the football field because you look at Lamar Jackson and even he struggled. I know they came out with a win over Houston, but he didn't look as flawless as you would think. Um, Philadelphia, even when they were matching up with New England, I know they last night, but it wasn't the cleanest of games for Jalen Hurts and that crew. So, really, truly, man, starting with these quarterbacks, it kind of the, the microscope started. Like, hey, man, what are you, like, what are you doing? It's always a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to all the, uh, you know, the Sunday ticket. You know, I I didn't have any problem with the Sunday ticket this, you know, last weekend getting through there. But, well, Damian, man, I, I I appreciate you taking the time, man. Like I said, I know everything is busy during football season. Uh, you know, trying to keep Cole and Greg in line through everything. But uh, I, I do appreciate you taking the time out to hop on today and and continue success, man. I mean, I love what you do on the air. Um, you got to keep the music taste for these guys. You know, Cole's on par, but but Greg sometimes, you know, Mister McElroy kind of, you know, that's, that's that tech, that's that Texas in him a little bit. But but uh, man, y'all have a great show. I love listening to y'all. I think what you do is great work and uh, just continue success, man. Man, Chris, thank you so much. Anytime, anytime, man. I'll try my best. To- Keep knuckleheads in line, but for the most part, we just sit around, have some fun, break time, my. That's all you got to do, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Sports Bites Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Damian Mitchell, as I hope to have him on a couple more times throughout the year just to talk ball because I enjoy his insight and his enthusiasm. I do have more interviews being scheduled as we speak. Coming up next week, I'll have Matt Skalicki on. He's the audience development editor at For the Win for USA Today. So we'll have him on, get his thoughts about what's going on in the world of sports. Until then, everybody, remember, positively keep moving forward.